Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now, thank you so much, called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com. Dot com and definitely check out those shows as well. Liz Mikalski is the author of Darling Girl, a novel of Peter Pan. A former reporter and editor, Liz lives with her family in Massachusetts. She loves reading fairy tales and sometimes writing them. Welcome, Liz. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Darling Girl. Thank you very much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. Your novel was so special and unique and beautifully written and evocative and just delightful. It was really, really great and so creative. So anyway, I just wanted to get that out (laughs) from the beginning. Thank you. Thank you. I'm squeeing over here. Thank you. (laughs) Tell listeners more about what it's about. And then I want to hear how you thought of all of this. Like, how did you structure it? How did you come up with the ideas? And how do do I get some of this beautiful cream 
<laughs> my own. <laughs> I, I would like that cream as well. <laughs> so it's a it's a really dark reimagining of Peter Pan. If Peter Pan was real and had kind of grown up in London. But the focus is really on the darling women, particularly the darling mothers. And the story came to me in a couple of different ways. I had a crazy dream. I've always been an insanely vivid dreamer. And I had this crazy vivid dream where there was this girl in Wendy Blue hooked up to all these medical devices in the bottom of a stone turret with no doors. And there were boys in Peter Pan, green, flying in and out of the windows, whispering, you know, well, who will save us now? Who's going to take care of us when she dies? And I thought that that was very disturbing. So I, you know, when I woke up, I immediately read Peter Pan, which I hadn't probably read in 20 years. You know, I'd seen all the movies and I loved the 2003 live action Peter Pan film, but I hadn't read it. And so I read it and then I was really struck by what a dark, really melancholy, sad story it is. And so I started researching Jay and Barry's life because he had a really dark, sad life, which is, I think, where Peter Pan comes from. But I was really fixated on the Darling women. And I you know, kept kind of thinking about Mrs. Darling when she's standing at the window looking for her children. And what does she do the rest of the time when they're gone and she doesn't know where they are? But also, how hard is it for her when Peter Pan comes back? Because at the end of the original Peter Pan, he comes back in the spring to take Wendy on spring cleaning trips because, you know, she's a girl and that's all, you know, girls are really good for in, in Neverland. And how hard it must have been for Mrs. Darling to let her go again and again and again, but also what it was like for Wendy, because Jan Barry writes that when Wendy grows too old, her daughter takes over going to Neverland and cleaning for him. And so Wendy's standing at the window watching her daughter leave. And what does she feel? Does she feel, you know, excitement? Is she happy for her daughter? Is she nervous? Is she is she sad? Is she envious? And so I was just really thinking about that. So I wrote the book. I gave it to a really good friend of mine and said, you know, could you take a look at it? Tell me what you think. She looked at it. And when she took it, she said, what's it about? And I said, it's about Peter Pan. And I think I titled it something like that, like the other Peter Pan in the, in the title page. And she gave it back like three weeks later and said, here. And I said, well, what did you think? And she said, it's not about Peter Pan. And I was like, it's totally about Peter Pan. It says it's about Peter Pan. Peter Pan is all over this. And she said, no, it's not about Peter Pan. Take it home and figure it out. So I said what you always are supposed to say to people who read your work for free, which is, thank you so much. And I took it <laughs> home and I said really nasty, unpleasant things about her and stuck it you know, on my desk and then read it again three weeks later. And I was oh crap. And I did not say crap. She's right. And it's not about Peter Pan. It's about motherhood. And it's about my daughter being in high school and getting ready to leave for college and how hard it is to let someone go that you love so much, even if you know it's the right thing, you know, and how hard it is after parenting them for 18 or 19 years and trying to keep them safe to have to open them up and let them go out into the world. Oh, it makes me want to cry just hearing your description because <laughs> it's, it's so true. It's like, even if the kids can theoretically fly, right, and fly away, it doesn't mean it doesn't, you don't feel the loss. So, right. It's the only job where if you do it well and everything works out, because sometimes even if you do do it well, it doesn't always work out. But if those two things align, it's the only job where there's planned obsolescence, you know, where you literally are putting yourself out of a job. Some say, though, that the job of being a mother is never done. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true, but it changes. You know, it, it, 
It really does. My pediatrician has four kids who are all theoretically out of the house. And she's like, there's like basically not a night where someone's not coming over or (laughs) asking for laundry or coming to visit, you know? So I don't know. I feel like maybe it's not quite as clean a break as perhaps it used to be, but. (laughs) No, but there's something, I mean, there's really something different, you know, and and I have a, I think, I hope, I, you know, pray I have a a good, a good relationship with my kids and, you know, that my daughter, my daughter actually came home last weekend as a surprise, which thrilled me. But there's something really different because when you're little, when they're little, you are the center of their world. And then as they grow up, you become the sidekick. Mm -hmm. So you don't get to go on all the adventures. You get to hear about some of the adventures. You don't hear about all the adventures, but you don't have that central role anymore. And that can be really hard. That's true. That's very true. Part of this book, and you already alluded to sort of the darkness of the original Peter Pan, but there's a lot of pain in the book. There's a, an accident around which things center and how you root the family. And this, this is Wendy's granddaughter, and she is in a horrible car. Can I say, this isn't a plot yeah. spoiler. It's right in the beginning, but she's in a horrible accident up front where she loses her husband and one of her twins and has a leg injury for the rest of her life. And magically her son, Jack heals, and it follows her and Jack and what it means to sort of be left behind the two of them. And then dealing with all of that pain herself, the pain of that loss and I mean, you, and you go into like her love affair with her husband from the beginning and how she fell in love. And then And then this other, I won't give that away, but this other subplot of trying to find something else that has been lost suddenly. I'll just leave it at that. But (laughs) there's repeated references to this crash because it's such a defining moment for her, of course, right? Tell me about putting that in as as a device to tell the story and and why have her go through all this pain and loss, especially right up front. Well, I think that, you know, it's kind of a metaphor in some ways for adulthood and for life. And to me, Holly, which is Wendy's granddaughter, she she comes across in the beginning as this very cold, controlling, buttoned-down person. And she wants it her way. And she wants everything lined up and she wants everybody protected and you know tucked in and everything else. And she wasn't always like that. You know, if you look at the scenes with her husband where she's meeting him, she is this free-spirited loving person who does things she would kill her son for. I mean, she gets in the car, you know, it's before cell phones because they're they're older. She gets in the car with this boy she doesn't know and knows nothing about and drives, you know, a couple of hours with him to London in a sports car. And, you know, she would kill her son for <laughs> You know, and she winds up, like they wind up, you know, buying this house kind of on a whim and she would never do that now. And I kind of was thinking that as parents and moms in particular, we're not the person we were when we were 16, 17, 18, 20. For most of us, by the time we have kids, we've lived a life and things have happened that have changed us in a way we never, ever could have foreseen. But, you know, moms are people too. And it's one of the interesting things to me about relationships with your children is even if they see you as a person, they don't necessarily see you as the person that you are, that, that you see yourself as. And they don't have access to all of those life experiences that have shaped you. So they never really get to know you in a way that your friends do who have been with you for a long time. And I was, I was thinking about that a lot. I was thinking about how that is kind of one of the losses of motherhood because you gain all these wonderful things, but 
oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes you lose parts of yourself too. And there are things that you can't share with your kids about why you are the way you are, or even if you do share it, it's not something that they can necessarily understand. So what do your kids, what do you feel your kids don't know about you? Or that's a piece of you that you have lost? I think that before I had kids, I was much more adventurous. You know, I had horses. I thought nothing about, you know, I I remember, I remember going out on a cross country course with a friend of mine and I had a beautiful, huge, huge horse who, you know, would pretty much willingly jump anything I put in front of him. I, you know, I, I jumped way above my pay grade a lot of times because of that horse. And I remember riding with him and I remember she had, she was older and she said something like, she said, are you nervous about this course? And I was like, ah, a little bit. She said something along the lines of, you know, just, just wait till you have kids. And then you're not nervous about jumping for you. You're nervous about jumping for them. And I had no idea what she was talking about. <laughs> and I had kids, you know, five, four or five years later. And I was like, I remember the first time I went out to jump and I was like, this may not be the best idea in my life, you know, because I've got somebody at home who's, you know, she's depending on me. And I wound up, you know, riding dressage for a little while after that. And then, you know, when my last horse died, I, I kind of stopped. And I didn't stop just because of that, but just because of having kids, there were other factors too. But, you know, I, I think about some of the things that I did. And my kids, I think, see me as a very, you know, like I'm always like, you know, hold hands when you cross the street, yeah. you know, don't, you know, you keep the little ones on the inside and all that stuff. And they just kind of roll their eyes. And I don't think that they will, they'll ever see that part of me because I think it's, it's kind of gone now. Interesting. How about you? I feel actually like they see me now pretty clearly, but not before. I feel like most of the pieces of me are still that they that they see. Like I'm very open, whereas I wasn't as much even with my littler kids. I was like, I'm going to be in my mom role. And now I'm just like, hey, you guys, check out this email or come see what I'm doing. Or like, like I'm very much involving them as if they're grownups more. I don't know how to say that, but I don't know. It's an interesting question. I don't feel like I've lost that many good things. <laughs> I feel like I've gotten better. I feel like things have improved a little bit for me, but I don't know. I could be wrong. I'll have to ask my best friends about it. You depicted Jack as such a typical teenager in some ways. And of course, in other ways, not at all. But even when he cuts school and has a party and his sullenness and how Holly punishes him by making him like come to London with her and, and all of that. And I really think you captured the total unpredictability of the teenager, teenage brain. And even how you had the shopkeeper say like, oh, I have a teenager too. Like I totally get, I totally get what you're going through. I know the signs or something that she said like that. So talk to me about making Jack into a character who not only has to carry the weight of all the things he doesn't remember, but just dealing with typical hormones and teen years and all of that. Uh, I think, you know, I think all teenagers the last couple of years are dealing with things that, you know, have, have put a lot of burden on them. I think the whole COVID situation, you know, and, and I look at it, I try and think of it as, you know, like when my grandfather was a teenager, you know, he wound up going off to war, which is so much worse, you know, pre-cell phone. So his mother and his, you know, or his, his I guess his wife by that time didn't, you know, know where he was or when he was coming home or whatever. So like everything's perspective. But having said that, you know, COVID was really tough and put a lot of pressure on a lot of teens everywhere, you know, and, you know, not being able to see your friends during, you know, really important social development times, you know, missing out on things that you may have looked forward to for four years, like graduation, proms, things like that, you know, being stuck at home all the time with your parents is, you know, is, is really tough. And I just, I think that teenagers in general today just face so much more than they did when I was a kid. 
even leaving COVID out of it, you know, there's so many scary things about the world right now. So I just kind of, I just tried to make that just a little bit more personal for Jack, you know, it's kind of take the, the angst that's out there and just really drill it down to what, what was going wrong in his. Ready to pop the question. The jewelers at blue have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help. And I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy, and you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. And tell me about how you got into writing. This is your second novel? It's my second novel. Yeah. I, my first novel came out around 2011 and I wrote one in between that didn't sell. And then I got the idea for Darling Girl, but I've always been, I've always been a writer. And I think more than that, I've always been a storyteller. Mm-hmm. And there are times in my life when for various reasons, I haven't been able to write, but I've always told stories. And I think that that's something that's just at the core of who I am. I mean, my, my grandparents weren't huge readers, but they all told fabulous, fabulous stories, you know, that I still treasure. When I was little, I, before I could read and I was a late reader, I made up a story for my sister that I used to tell her at night before we went to sleep. And I revived that when my children were little and I was too tired to write. Um, so we had kind of an ongoing serial story for a while. I think that storytelling is just kind of deeply intrinsic to how I see the world and how I make sense of it. So does that make you also a huge reader? Makes me a huge reader, a huge reader. And I I was a late reader. I, I can remember being in kindergarten and the teacher holding up flashcards for words, like at the end of the school year. 
and saying something like, I'm so amazed by how many you know of them can read this. And I, was, I remember thinking, I can't read it. And it was tough. I remember being in first grade and you know my, my folks working with me and then something just clicked. And first book I vividly remember reading and getting lost in is the Chronicle of Narnia series. And I just, I remember being blown away by that book, by that series, and obsessively having to know how it ended and, you know, imagining the storyline, you know, for days and days after. And I think those books really just changed my life and they changed how I, how I saw books. And, you know, ever since then, whenever I've opened a new book, I've always been looking for that wardrobe to kind of carry me away to a new place. I love that. I loved those books too growing up. I should have included them in my book. And I love that there was just, there were more like waiting after. Like, exactly. You know, yep. like the gift that it was like, ooh, I, this isn't the end. Like the first series, like binging a series now on TV or something like that. Um, the equivalent excitement. I referenced the the cream just to close that loop for anybody who was wondering why I was referencing a cream when I first, when we first started chatting. You have this magic potion, essentially, which makes things all better, makes wounds better and makes you feel better and keeps you young and heals scars and all this magic stuff. Is that a wish? <laughs> Is that just like... An, oh, that wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> wouldn't that be nice? Well, I was playing, I was thinking about when I started, I was, you know, as I said, I was thinking about the darling women and how they essentially aged out of the job of mother of Peter Pan, that once they actually got to be, you know, once they actually got to be the age to be a mother, he didn't want them anymore. And I was thinking about the, you know, pressure in society, you know, for women to always look young. And so I started researching it and I probably was like the last person in the world who has not watched a Kim Kardashian show, but I found out about vampire facials, which you know, is when they take blood and they microneedle your face and they put your blood, your platelets on it. And it's supposed to give you kind of this rosy glow. And then I found this dermatologist, a doctor in Germany who will, for a fee, take your blood and spin it into your own skincare products so that you, you know, that are supposed to help you stay young. And then I started looking at some scientific research on rats where they actually took blood from young rats and injected it into older rats. And the older rats did much better on like cognitive tests and, you know, um, their organs look healthier. And then they actually stitched the rats together, the old rats and the young rats. So their circulatory system was shared, which was really good for the old rats. Didn't work out so well for the young rats, but gave the old rats a good boost. And then there was actually a company in California for a while that was getting blood from young, healthy, paid volunteers and selling it to older people with the promise that it would kind of help you, you know, rejuvenate a little bit. So I just, I found that whole wormhole just so fascinating to go down because, you know, there's, there's, there's always been as long as we have been around some kind of scheme to stay young forever. And it's just fascinating now to see, you know, kind of the science behind some of it in in our time. My fifth grade project for an explorer, I got Ponce de Leon and the search for the, the fountain of youth. And I've been kind of, I've had that in the back of my mind ever since. Like, how do you get there? Could it be exactly. something, you know? <laughs> so especially as I age and it becomes more and more interesting of a opportunity 
uh, it makes me think about that when you talk about it. But, you know, with all the stuff with plasma and all of the things that they're doing now and stem cells and everything, like, who knows? Maybe there will be an answer than we think. It's crazy. You know, and it was fun, too, because Darling Women in my book don't really need any of this stuff mm-hmm. because they right. have kind of a natural, they age extremely well. But it was just kind of fun to play with that trope a little bit about, well, you know, you know, women are always supposed to look young and Peter Pan is the eternal, you know, the the stories say that he won't grow up. They don't say he, you know, won't get older. So it was kind of fun to play with that a little bit. So the writing of this itself, I mean, this is very plot driven, but also the language itself is so beautiful. This must've taken forever. Did it take a long time? Like, tell me about the process. It took a long time. So I wrote it, I think I wrote it in two years, which for me is kind of record breaking. And my agent and I, for my first book, had parted ways. So I had sent it out to a list of new agents and I got a phenomenal response rate, but no offers of representation. So I thought, well, okay, this isn't working. So I pulled it and went through all the rejections and the personal ones, every time they had said something didn't work for them, I wrote it down. And if it showed up more than once, then I went back into the book and I revised that section of it. Mm-hmm. And then I worked with a friend of mine who's an editor um, and revised it again and then revised it a couple more times. And then I contacted a couple of the agents that I had really felt just got me and I got them. And my very favorite one from the very first round said to me, that they liked this, but that they thought that, you know, there are some other things that I could fix. So I fixed those things. And then, you know, we wound up together, which was lovely. And then I wound up doing a couple more revisions from there. The story and the language stayed the same. It was more kind of just smoothing out some of the plot points. And then what happened? How long did it take to sell? Oh God, not, it didn't take very long, which was lovely, which kind of surprised me too. But I think the credit goes completely to my agents because they're just rock stars and I adore them. So sounds like the credit should go to you. You've worked on this so <laughs> hard. I mean, some people could try to sell a book with, which is basically a first draft. Like this is like your 50th draft. Like you sold the perfection, right? You sold as much as you could do to improve it with all of your own resources and people and whatever, but it's you who did all the work. I mean, it's pretty awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it, it definitely was a journey, you know, but it's always like, I've I've always been the kind of writer and the kind of person who I think where, you know, there's always something that you can do to make something better. You know, and as I get older, I'm trying to let some of that go, mm-hmm. you know, but then you read something that's just like, you read something that someone else has written that's just so mind-blowingly good. And you're just like, oh crap, you know, like there's just always that bar. Well, that's what makes people, I think, keep trying even harder. I mean, I think it's good to have a bar. What if you were like the best writer and you never had any place to look for inspiration? <laughs> right? Maybe you wouldn't try as hard. Who knows? I mean, I don't know. Not to say you're, never mind. That didn't come out right. But you know, I think you know what I mean. <laughs> I knew what you meant. Okay. Yes. okay. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, so are you working on a new project? I am. I just actually sent about 50 pages off to my agent yesterday, my agents yesterday. So I'm hopeful. My fingers are crossed. It's another kind of dark retelling or reimagining of a fairy tale. You know, I I think I love those kind of books. I I read everything, but I love magical realism and fairy tales the best. And I really think it's probably because those were the books that first really hooked me, you know, and there's something so almost primeval about fairy tales. It's like, it's like the warning that resides in, you know, the very back of your, your head, all the things about, you know, don't trust strangers, don't walk down the dark path, you know, all that stuff. I just, I think it just resides so deeply within us that we're continually fascinated by it. Love it. Do you have any advice for aspiring authors? I think, you know, read as much as you can, 
write as much as you can and, and find a really good community of people to support you. It's so much more fun this time around because I have a great community of writer friends and it's so great to share things with them, you know, the, the good stuff and the bad. It's just, it's just really lovely. Where are you based by the way? I'm in Massachusetts. Okay. Awesome. It's nice having that whole community to rely on. It's wonderful. It really is. Last question. You had said before we were officially recording that it would be a good idea for there to be some sort of friend gathering to help when we have our kids sort of fly the nest or go to school or go away. What what should we call this? What How can we start a new shower of sorts for when kids go off to college and, and women really need, not women and men, need the support system of their friends? Oh, that's a great question. I am terrible at naming things. Um, so, but you're very good at naming things. So I'm going <laughs> to put that right back on you. Okay. But, it, but I think it's true. I mean, I think, you know, we were talking a little bit before and, you know, when your kids are little, that's when you have the showers and the, you know, what to expect books and all that. Um, but we don't talk as much about when our kids are ready to leave the nest and how hard that can be. And it's, it's, you know, it's, if having a baby kind of cracks your world open in one way, having one of your babies grow up and leave cracks it open in a whole different way. And it may not be, you know, the, the physical changes as much, but the emotional changes are, are tough. And that's when you need the parties. That's when you need your friends to come over with, you know, a bottle of lemonade or a bottle of wine and, you know, a good movie and take you on walks and things like that. Amazing. Well, it's a good reminder for people listening. And as we're recording, it's it's the fall season of back to school and all of that. So for anyone out there who has a friend whose kid has just gone off to college or school or whatever, just send them a note today. And just say, I'm thinking of you, making sure you're okay. It's a very nice thing to do. All right, Liz, thank you so much. This has been really wonderful. So thank you for coming on Moms No Time to Read Books. Thank you so much for having me. All right. That's it. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 